This podcast represents the opinions of Katie Allen, PA, and guests of her show. The content is for informational purposes only and in no way sets up a patient relationship. Consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Now, here's Katie Allen. Always, thank you, Jay Andrews, for that introduction. And now I am privileged to introduce someone who I have the utmost respect for in their medical decision making and surgical skills and overall patient care, as well as her personal integrity and character. She represents strength of a woman, and on multiple occasions I've seen her use her position to speak up for those who cannot. She knows I'm her wingman, even without request. She is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology and holds board certification in minimally invasive GYN surgery, including robotic surgeries. Make Me Pretty Podcast is honored to have Dr. Keshma Sujani with us today. From Longstreet OBGYN to talk to us about labiaplasty. We're going to go through some of the details about a labiaplasty, but first discussing who needs to have one done. For those of you that have looked that up, you probably already know. When we talk about the human anatomy of the vaginal region, so boys, you're out of this one. We're talking about the labia minora, so the inner lips, that those might be protruding farther out than the majora, which is the outer portion, which can cause people a lot of difficulty. And for those of you that have this, you already know because you are telling some of us whether it is pinching or getting in the way of lots of things. Can you tell us a little bit more about the things that people might come and say in your office, Dr. Sujani, about problems when it relates to the menorah protruding too far out of the majora? Yeah, so some of the problems that patients complain of most of the time is that it can hurt during sex, Mm -hmm. it can hurt during exercise, it gets pinched or tampons can get stuck. Oh. Sometimes it can cause itching and discomfort. A lot of women, when they have this, they develop a complex where they're self-conscious. So it also ends up leading to having them have a lower self-esteem. Affects their psyche then. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is already a bit of a difficulty like when you're getting naked. <laughs> you're already thinking about this. So it affects their psychology as well as physically can cause difficulties. Yeah. Historically, it's been considered only a cosmetic procedure. And in the recent years, you know, many women have come out to say that this is not just a cosmetic procedure. It's a a functional. It sounds like it for sure. What in general, if somebody comes in and they are telling you, look, I have this problem and they're obviously showing you if they're in an office like yours, then what is your next thing that you're doing? You're kind of assessing it and saying, yes, this is an issue for you. So whenever I get a patient that comes with a consult, first we address what the problems are. Then I do an exam. And when I'm doing an exam, it's detailed exam about what bothers them. Most of the time, inner labia, we call it the labia minora, is protruding further out than the labia majora. And we do an assessment where I pull it out to measure how far does it come out. Mm. And in the consult, we then... That does not sound comfortable, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) We use a mirror and we decide together, you know, what would make her happy. We then talk about procedure. So as far as the procedures go, there's a couple ways that you can do this. The classic way is just trimming the labia. Another way is what we call a wedge resection. And with any procedure, there are definitely some risks, hematoma being one risk, loss of sensation. But statistically speaking, 95% of the women are satisfied with their result. And despite that, there's a lot of criticism with the 
it's a seizure, which the more I've been in practice, you know, I try to understand what the criticism is historically. So do you find that you're doing more of the wedge excisions or more of the trimming of the tissue? I prefer to do the trimming of the tissue and the procedure can be done in an office setting with some local anesthesia or it can be done at the hospital or the surgery center and it's multiple sutures that come all the way down and they look great after. The healing time though does take some time. It can be a very painful procedure and it takes about four to six weeks to heal. I've set up a protocol where there's numbing jelly involved and ice packs. This is all written out and the ones that I have done they're very happy with their results. How long are they out of exercise? Let's say for example running. They're definitely out for 10 days. Okay. I mean it gets swollen. It hurts. Okay. Optimal cosmetic appearance. You're looking at six to eight weeks but back to regular activities about two weeks. Are those stitches removable or do they dissolve? They dissolve. So I know from a plastic surgery perspective that we do some of these and obviously the issue is cash pay versus insurance and who's going to cover that. We only see it from a cash pay perspective because we're like that. Yes. But really, gynecologically, it makes sense for somebody to be able to assess is there a problem going on? I can't understand where the criticism would be because when you have folks that are really genuinely having discomfort, I cannot imagine if it was to get in the way sexually and then that causes again psychological issues. I've heard of people talking about it with horseback riding or that comes out in pinches. That to me is a physical ailment really. I can't see why insurance would not want to pay that. What are your feelings on insurance paying for it? Are you having difficulties with that? Oh, absolutely. I do a peer-to-peer review on every labiaplasty. Which that, is amazing by the way, guys. And trying to be a patient advocate. However, every single one of them has been denied. And I just think that it just hasn't come to the point where they think that this is medically necessary. However, it does affect function. It affects pain. I have had young girls who congenitally have had one labia that is much longer than another. One insurance company that I spoke to and did a peer-to-peer said that it would have to be over seven centimeters long for them to cover it. Okay. Like the uh, size of a... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Sorry. No one argues about a circumcision being covered by insurance companies. So obviously that causes a lot of angst amongst, you know, us women that are advocates. So adult health. circumcisions <laughs> are covered by insurance, typically. Um, um, I know the babies are. I'm not yes. sure about the adult ones, but I'm pretty sure. And yet are. we're having difficulty getting females covered. Yes. Where do we think the block is? Um, I think historically it goes back to where countries were doing genital mutilation. Yeah. And I think that it stems from that. And this is not no. the same thing. Yes, no. I, I would say in the last five years, women have been more forward about things that bother them, whether it's urinary leakage, whether it's dysfunction, or it's, you know, self-conscious about their body. So finally as- speaking up and saying, we've got these other issues. Now mm-hmm. let's do some studies on those. Let's not just keep the studies for the males. Right. So I think that that's why this has come as a big interest and the number of women going through labioplasties has increased significantly. But partly, you know, I'm not saying that every woman needs to focus on their labia. Yeah. However, if if it is something that's bothersome, if it is something that affects their quality of life, I believe that it should be repaired. How do we speak up to get this covered? I think the best way to start is doing stuff like this. Vocalizing it. Patients need to talk to their 
insurance companies. They need to write letters. And on my end of it, like I said, I try to do a peer-to-peer -peer and I have them document. And I document their complaints. I draw a picture of what the labia looks like. And I, and I try to fight for them. Is this being spoken about like at your gynecological conferences? So at our conferences, right now, the American College of Obstetrics still calls it a cosmetic procedure. Mm -hmm. So they are not supporting that it is a functional thing. But I, I believe that will change as more people seek out about their dysfunction with the labia. Especially if they have somebody that they know are married to or it is occurring to themselves maybe that it's affecting them and realizing what a big deal this can be. Because I know at least in my office when I recently spoke with you about somebody telling me and then showing me some issues that they were having and then referring them on to you and this is stressful. So there's a psychological issue to that too. But the discomfort that it causes and also with hygiene to an extent. Hygiene, swimsuits where it bulges out. Oh, they, yeah. You know, that's an issue. Women that have had multiple vaginal deliveries, you know, that also can affect their labia and they're more self-conscious about it. There's a lot more that should be covered after it <laughs> too. <laughs> if we could get people to listen on that. So Dr. Sujani, for those people that are having this issue or they know somebody that has something like this, because this is obviously of great concern to the person that's suffering from this, or somebody who has a partner, sister, can't say brother, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> friend, athlete, classmates, anybody that they know that is suffering from this, how do they go about getting in touch with you specifically? Because I know that not every person that's in obstetrics or gynecology feels the same as you do. And so they really need to connect with somebody to me like yourself who understands that this is truly a concern and a difficulty and can hinder a variety of activities. How do they get in contact with you specifically? They can call me. Okay. I work at Longstreet Clinic. And where's that phone number? Seven. 770-297-2200. I have two office spaces, one in Brazelton, one in Gainesville. And those are Gainesville, Georgia and Brazelton, Georgia. So another question that some people ask is why an OBGYN and why not a plastic surgeon? Okay. So that's a good question because as we mentioned earlier, historically, it was a cosmetic procedure. So a lot of the plastic surgeons are do this procedure and know how to do it. But I feel going to your OBGYN, I get that continuity of care. I get yes. to continue to work with other problems that you may have, vaginal relaxation, ruling out other things also. Ruling out other things. And so coming to your OBGYN to do this procedure to me is very reasonable. And like I said, here and there, one of these days, I'm going to get the insurance company to cover it because I'm a, I'm a good battler. If, <laughs> if somebody can get it done, I believe you can 150%. <laughs> and I will wingman you <laughs> because you know I will. Um, so again, I, I will have that information also posted. Do you also do telehealth visits as well? Um, or is that difficult to do? Just I think that would be difficult to do for the initial consult. But post-op, yes. I did one actually today, a telehealth labiaplasty visit. My patients can message me with photos as they're healing to make sure that it's healing correctly. So I'm definitely in contact with them. I have a great, great office um, procedure team. Um, so they could possibly even be coming in from a different city or a different state, absolutely. have the procedure done with you, and then within reason at least follow up with you maybe via telehealth depending yes. on the situation obviously yes that is that is true and so again those of you that are interested i will have listed dr sujani's information i am very hopeful that we can get her back on the podcast for future episodes with a variety of topics because these are topics that are sometimes difficult to ask i am lucky enough to have a um, obgyn that i can ask questions to there really isn't a 
subject that I would feel uncomfortable asking my personal GYN about, which happens to be sitting across from me right now. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> and thank you guys so much for joining us uh, today on this episode. As you know, we have a great deal of passion about helping all of us feel comfortable with a variety of topics, finding out the real answers to real questions and not necessarily just dealing with the smoke and mirrors that we see sometimes on the internet, although I'm not anti-internet or anti-Google, but we definitely want to know how to address these things by real professionals like Dr. Sujani, who have such great experience in this field. Thank you again, Dr. Sujani, and I am very hopeful you will join us in the future. Thank you, Katie, for inviting me. I enjoyed this. Yay! Thank all of you for listening to Make Me Pretty, Tomboy Turn Plastic Surgery PA. Please take the time to listen and subscribe, but especially to leave a review as this supports the podcast most significantly. You can find us on Instagram at Make Me Pretty Podcast or at our website at www.makemepretty.org. I look forward to some of our future episodes that are coming up. Thank you again for listening with us and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Thank you.